This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, camps continue as we prepare for the start of the 2019-2020 NLL season. So we'll talk with Mammoth first rounder Warren Jeffrey and Roughnecks goaltender Christian Del Bianco. But the biggest news of the offseason so far came on Thursday, and we're going to Vegas. All that more on OTCB. I am an What is good, lacrosse fans, and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud, NLL Radio, and the Lacrosse Flash. My name is Teddy Jenner, and as always, you can find me on the old Twitter box at Off the Crossbar, or you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Get a hold of me. Let me know your thoughts on some of the news that's come out of the National Lacrosse League in the last few days. As we prepare for this new season, the front office of the league is making sure that things in the back are taken care of. And that means new partnerships, new sponsorship deals, and a, a continued pace forward to making the National Cross League as best as it can be. Sport Logic is now on board. Grabio is on board, Warrior, Under Armour, Wilson. That's a bit of a new one for the National Cross League, but that's been sort of a slow buildup to Thursday's news. And Thursday's news probably caught a lot of people off guard, may not have known that the Seals actually had two to-be-announced locations on their schedule. They still have another one that's yet to be announced, a February 22nd game against the Vancouver Warriors. I hope it's an outdoor game at their practice facility. Might be somewhere else. Steve Govett posted a picture of an Air Force base. We could be reaching. But one of those dates was... February 1st, almost said the second, February 1st, which just so happens to be Super Bowl weekend, one of the biggest sports weekends of all. And the Mammoth and Seals will play a game in Las Vegas. I'm very interested to see how that all plays out. Um, they aren't at T-Mobile Arena, which is the brand new arena right downtown where the Golden Knights play. They're playing at Orleans Arena, which is just a bit off the strip, uh, a little ways away from all the hubbubaloo that is Las Vegas. But still, there are going to be a crap ton of people in Vegas that weekend. It's one of the biggest betting weekends there is in the year. So there will be people there. Will those people want to go watch a lacrosse game the day before the Super Bowl? I sure hope so. San Diego Seals fans will get a bit of a discount on hotel rooms. Um, I believe it's if you have multiple season tickets, you'll get some sort of discount or a free room. Um, but the Seals are doing everything they can to get their fans there. Uh, it will be interesting to see if the Mammoth counter um, or follow suit 
and give a deal for their fans to get there. I know it's a way game, but Colorado to Vegas is a lot shorter than Colorado to San Diego. So I would imagine that a lot of Mammoth fans will make that trip. I'm sure a lot of Seals fans will make that trip. Heck, I'm sure a lot of NLL lacrosse fans in general might want to make that trip just for the experience. And if this is a feeler game to see if there's any pulse for lacrosse in Vegas for a possible future expansion team, I don't hate the idea. I think always testing the waters is a good thing. I think Vegas would be an incredible fit for the National Lacrosse League. If they could be downtown at T-Mobile and be owned by the Golden Knights, that would be incredible so we'll see um i know steve govett and the national lacrosse league are extremely happy about this move and this decision to go to vegas um when i reached out to steve he just said more to come so steve has always been at the forefront of kind of pushing helping push this league forward And this is just another example of that. So um, happy for them that they got this done. Excited to see what February 22nd game holds when they play the Warriors. Uh, But I'm sure we'll hear about that when we hear about that in the short time. One other maybe linkage with the sport logic signing is that It could open up a door for proper sports betting on the National Lacrosse League. And if I recall a few years ago, or maybe it was longer than that, maybe it was even a couple years ago where you could still do it. I believe there was a website somewhere where you could bet on NLL games. I'm not much of a sports gambler, as it were, and I don't think I ever did it, but I know there was at one point a site that had odds for NLL games and you could wager money but with sports betting and sports gambling become more of a full-time legit thing in the United States having this ability only brings more eyes to the sport and that's what we all want so if we're kind of carving out a path through our sponsors to get into certain markets, again, don't hate the idea. Sports Logic and the NLL are obviously entered into this partnership to continue to build the National Lacrosse League's database through stats um, and, and everything that they will do to keep numbers organized. Because as much as Point Streak was doing a the, or doing the job. I'm not going to say bad job because I actually loved the point streak site. It was very easy to use. If we can start to create more analytics and more numbers and more data, that's just going to continue to build the interest and allow for us super geeks more things to dissect, more stats to talk about. Because I've always thought, like, analytics in hockey and baseball and they go super in depth 
into the numbers, whether it's uh, fa- offensive face-off percentage wins and ice time and scoring, or if it's in baseball, you know, working through shifts and, and where guys can and tend to hit balls and like all those little things that go into some sports. We don't really have that or have had that in lacrosse. I know more and more teams are starting to use those systems to gauge players and rank, not rank them, but to understand their strengths and weaknesses and and to continue to get better. It will be interesting to see what kind of analytical stats we can create. Because really, you know, cause turnovers has been a new stat that's been brought into the National Cross League in the last five years or so. And, you know, not many teams, if at all, calculate time on the floor. Like in hockey where they have time on ice. Could you imagine putting a stop clock on a guy like Lyle Thompson and how often he's out, he's out there? Or Zach Courier? Or Rubish? Or Shatler? Or Dixon? Or you go on and on of how many shifts these guys are going. You know, in professional hockey, you're getting a shift maybe every minute and a half, two minutes. An offensive guy is probably going out every 45 seconds and staying out there for a good 45 minute, depending. So these new partnerships the National Cross League is bringing in are just going to continue to open up eyes um, and bring in more eyes. So kudos to the league for, for continuing to bring in new names, new sponsors, and find new areas for us to put this game of lacrosse because there is so many options out there. I'm excited to see what's next. For Warren Jeffrey, what's next is his second National Lacrosse League training camp. If you listened to the show last week, we chatted with Tyson Gibson, the number one overall pick In the NLL draft, Warren Jeffrey just a few slots behind him as he was drafted by the Colorado Mammoth. And the big man comes in with a lot of talent, a lot of skill, a bit of a mean side. But he's also very green, in a sense, and moldable. And when you have guys like Andy McBride and Pat Coyle who are longtime standing National Lacrosse Leaguers who know what it takes to play at this level and understand the game at a minute detail, it's only going to benefit a guy like Warren Jeffrey and make him a better defender. And when you get to play alongside guys like Robert Hope and Dan Coates, you continue to learn from those guys that you're battling with night in and night out. So... Warren's got his first camp underway along with the Mammoths. They got underway this past weekend in Denver. They've got basically three more camps before start of season, maybe even just two more camps. So I think you can only have six practices in the preseason. So he's got to get up to speed quickly. He understands that, but he knows that it's going to be a lot of fun getting there. Here's our chat with Warren Jeffrey as we talk about camp, lax, life, and mustaches here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Joined now by Colorado Mammoth, 
first-round draft pick, Warren Jeffrey. Warren, how are you, my man? Good, how are you? Uh, I cannot complain. Where do we catch you today? Uh, I'm just at home, downtown Toronto. Oh, downtown uh, guy. Is that, is, well, that a, is that as fun as it sounds? Uh, it's all right. It has its, its moments. Uh, I'm just <laughs> visiting, visiting my buddy He's here from New Jersey, so just visiting him at his hotel, and then uh, maybe go out tonight. We'll see. Nice. Uh, obviously, you're just back in town after first week in a camp at the Colorado Mammoth. How did Camp One as a pro lacrosse player go? Uh, I had a great time. Uh, it was a lot of lacrosse. You know, they really threw us right back into it. Uh, a couple practices, a little workout, uh, but I feel good. Feel good about how I played, and I think the team looks real good too. Early how was on. Uh, how was Joel's fitness test? <laughs> it was uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Just three yeah. things, one little running thing, but uh, no dreaded beat test. No, no. Luckily, I was <laughs> I was a little worried at an end. Have you, but. have you done the beat test before? Oh yeah, that's cool. We do it, do it every year, twice a year. No, it always <laughs> one of the worst days. Once you get past your uh, what you what you want to get, though, it, it feels pretty good. Yeah, that's a true story. If you've never done a beat test, I I, I tell you, don't ever do one. Um, <laughs> If uh, if this camp was a start of things to come, how do you feel about the way the Mammoth are going to perform this year? Uh, I feel very good. You know, we got a good, solid core group of you guys back, uh, I think, from last year. And myself and I know Brett Craig, some other rookie guys, I think, come in and help out on the DN. Uh, with some speed to it, I think, moving the ball up, getting it to our old guys who are so talented, you know, and they can just get the ball to them so they can put the ball in the net. But uh, I think we're looking good. Who who were some of the guys that you leaned on uh, at camp this weekend just to kind of bring you up to speed on the system that Colorado runs? Uh, I think Dan Coates. You know, I was rooming with him. He's a veteran guy. Uh, I was in his ear a little bit when I could. Uh, Hopi, too. You know, he's been around a long time. He's, uh, you know, won a lot. He knows what he's talking about. And they're real vocal with me uh, early on, kind of getting my feet wet with the new, uh, kind of getting the new league. Mm-hmm. How did Andrew McBride, the D coach, kind of kind of work with you and, and kind of give you some positives and things to work on? Uh, he was just in my ear after every drill, you know, pointing out if I had messed something up uh, or if I was doing something good, which was great. So I had a chance to kind of hear what he was telling me and fixed it, and he would let me know. Uh, my progress kind of throughout the throughout the camp, which is great. So I know where I'm at. Pat Coyle is, is a legend in our sport, one of the best you guys to ever play. Is it a nice change to to play for a defensive-minded head coach? Yeah, uh, for sure. I've always kind of had uh, old guys coaching me, but having a D guy uh, with his experience definitely excited to learn some things and little tricks and just kind of soak up everything he has to tell me. You're obviously a, a big body and, and move your feet well in the defensive zone. What are your strengths uh, coming into the Mammoth this year? Uh, I think just my team D, I think I can help just kind of lock everything down, you know, on the back end. Uh, and then in the summer, I've been trying to work on pushing the ball up the floor. I think I make some strides in that doing that uh i think that's something i can also bring uh this upcoming season 
obviously with the groups of rookies that are coming in the National Cross League every year, you guys are more and more prepared with playing four years of college and playing some MSL or, or CLA ball. You even got some reps with the Chesapeake Bayhawks this year. How much has the extra couple of years of lacrosse and, and levels of lacrosse prepared you for coming into the National Lacrosse League? Yeah, you know, it's kind of changed a lot. Uh, like before school, it was always hockey in the winter, lacrosse in the summer, and then going to school is lacrosse year-round. So I've had that for four years. And then getting to play Chesapeake uh, this summer was unbelievable. Uh, getting a touch of that pro field game uh, definitely going to help me transition into the pro boxing as well. You got to D up junior a few times uh, during the playoffs oh, yeah. for the Bayhawks. How was that? That was a lot of fun. You know, uh, he's the best. And getting to cover him and he talked to me a little bit during the game, but uh, it was it was a really cool experience. And then to win a championship in your first year, that had to have been pretty special. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, especially coming off a hard loss last year at school, one that we, I wanted pretty bad. Uh, it was nice to get that one my first year at Chesapeake. It was a great, great group of guys we had down there. Is Lyle Thompson as good as they said? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> he's the real deal. He's just a true professional, you know, on and off the field. Uh, and he he did a lot for our team this summer, for sure. It was scary going against him this year. But what was, what was Vermont? What was Vermont like going to, going to school up there? Because it's kind of a, a program that – that's made its name in the last few years. Obviously, it was always like a, a big hockey school, but the lacrosse program has really come about maybe the last decade or so. What is life like going to school in Vermont? So, Vermont for me, I mean, it was unbelievable. I had such a great time there. Uh, coming from up, up north, you know, it's similar. Only an hour south of Montreal. You got the cold winters, uh, a lot of snow. So, we used to all that. And then... When I came in, we weren't a very predominant lacrosse school. No one really knew our name. Uh, but after my four years, I think we kind of really put the put the Vermont on the map, I think, uh, with all the other D1 schools down there competing, you know, playing against Virginia's and Albany, really number one. Uh, the team's always been getting better since I've, there. I've been there. Uh, Coach Fife, the coaching staff, Coach Bernhardt. Coach Kavanaugh, they've been doing an unreal job, and they were instrumentally known, kind of taking over the reins from Coach Curtis, who was there my first year, and keep pushing that uh, program in the right direction. And I'm proud. I'm proud, real proud of what I accomplished there, and I'm excited to see what the boys can do uh, this year coming up. Who has the bigger legacy there, you or Ian McKay? Well, I don't know. you got to ask the guys back at school about that one. I don't want to get a call. Some easy getting in my ear. He'd probably tell you him, but I don't know. Go, go down to Burlington. Some people know my name down there. There we go. There we go. Um, the draft night in Philadelphia, obviously a special night uh, for so many uh, of the guys involved in that draft. What was it like sitting in that room, waiting and waiting until you got to hear your name? Uh, you know, I had a bunch of buddies in there. Uh, a lot of guys who went like before me and after me, so it was kind of cool again to share that moment with them. Like Clark Peterson, my buddy, we've been playing together since we were peanut. 
uh, Hugh playing with him in junior and this year in summer ball, Tyson Gibson too. So it was, it was a little, uh, you know, the nerves were going a bit, but it was, it was fun to be there with some of my buddies and getting to share that with them. Did you have a, a sense that Colorado was going to take you when they were on the board? Uh, I had a little bit, yeah. I had talked to Selfer uh, a couple of days earlier, uh, just kind of getting to know him and asking me a couple of questions. And so once they came up, uh, yeah, I had a little feeling I might go. Let me ta- ask you about bug juice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll see, I'll is, see. I don't know a whole lot about bug juice, but I'll, I'll try to, anybody try to knows a lot about bug juice. But no, it's real mysterious. Did, did when you first saw those uniforms, what was your reaction? I was actually well. I'm a Mimico guy, and this yeah. first year Brampton, you know, we got the rivalry. And I saw them. I was I was kind of pumped up because I saw the uh, they had a little bit of blue on them. I was like, all right, mm-hmm. that's not bad. There's a little blue on there, so I can I can deal with that. <laughs> But then after, like, kind of putting them on and getting to know the boys, and they take a lot of pride in that BE jersey. Yeah. And, I mean, those jerseys are just tough. They're uncomfortable. <laughs> they just don't fit. They're just – looks like someone threw up all over them. It's not good. <laughs> what was and it the like bug, playing – the bug juice isn't, isn't yeah. any better either. It's, it's terrible yeah. stuff. <laughs> what was it like playing in Mimico your last year junior? It was unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Every year playing there uh, was – the best experience you know we had such great fans like people in town come out for playoff games get real fired up those are always you know best memories from lacrosse playing mimico arena getting the playoff playing against brampton in the pack barn uh and then that minto run my second last year 2017 that was something real special we didn't get to finish the job but i mean it's something i'll always remember definitely one of my favorite memories uh of lacrosse for sure and it's definitely kind of like Vermont, a program that's worked its way up to being a contender. Uh, yeah, is it sure. long before we see them as a team that is a true powerhouse in junior Ontario? No, I don't. I don't think they're they're far off now. You know, they got some young guys. They've been learning from from some of us older guys too. I think they came in at the right time, uh, and you know they got the work ethic and DJ's coaching there now. Mm-hmm. They got the right staff, and you know they're doing things right. Uh, so I'm, I'm got no doubts that they'll keep, keep getting better every year. Obviously, November is the mustache month. When I saw you at the draft, you had an incredible handlebar duster. Uh, I saw you at camp. You didn't have anything. Obviously, you're participating in November. What are you going yes. to grow? Well, what you saw at camp is kind of as good as it gets. So <laughs> expect something along those lines. But, yeah, I did shave her off there at the beginning of the month. Starting fresh. Trying you think to, you'll be able to outgrow corner. Andrew McBride? Oh, I don't know about that. It's not <laughs> coming in so so quick, but hopefully <laughs> after 30 days it will be nice and full. Uh, you guys got another camp this coming week. Uh, you're back in Ontario for camp. What are you expecting for round two? Uh, I think it'll be you know a great opportunity to get to know the boys a little bit, get to kind of understand the team system, getting to play a real game. Uh, and really getting the feel for the for this program before the before the season starts. Is it crazy to think that we're just three and a half weeks away from game one? No, it's wild. You know, we have the first game, I think, right? I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the Saskatchewan. I'm 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 so excited.
obviously you've, you've kind of grown up watching the National Crossing. You know what the Loud House is all about. But can anything prepare you for game one with 15,000 people inside that arena? I'm not sure. We're going to have to find <laughs> out. Hopefully the fans will bring it in. We can uh, bring it on the floor for them too. That's Warren Jeffrey, Colorado Mammoth. First round draft pick, champion of the MLL with the Chesapeake Bayhawks. A Mimico guy, loves his Mountaineers, loves the Mountaineer blue. Not so much the blue on the Bug Juice jersey. But when Warren Jeffrey was picked up by Colorado, Pat Coyle and his staff were thrilled that they were able to get him. I think a lot of their attention was on Clark Peterson, Uh Jeffrey's good friend, but when he was taken off the board, they decided to go with defense, and I know there are some Mammoth fans that weren't happy with that decision, but you can never have too much defense in this league, and the Mammoth needed to add some size to their back end, and they did that with both Warren Jeffrey and Brett Craig, who I would imagine have really good shots at being opening day roster guys for the Mammoth. Their defense has gotten bigger and more aggressive. Their offense has added some more speed, some more creativity. I think it's going to be an interesting year to see how those young guys produce and continue to take their game to the next level because last year's offense obviously struggled without the consistency of Jeremy Noble. But when they got the production from Eli McLaughlin and Kyle Killen and Jacob Rue and Ryan Lee, they really started to find some success and some cohesion. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond to another year together in the Mammoth offense, especially under Sean Williams, because it did take them some time under Willie to kind of understand what he wanted to do and what he was trying to get them to do. Another year together, I think we'll see big things from the Mammoth offense this coming season. Christian Del Bianco of the Calgary Roughnecks will see a lot of the Mammoth offense and every other offense across the National Cross League. And he was the last goalie standing when the confetti fell inside the saddle dome as the Roughnecks knocked off the Bandits in two straight games for the NLL Cup. And he's had quite a summer for himself. Uh, he got drafted by his hometown Coquitlam Adnax. He was traded to the Maple Ridge Berards. Got to play alongside his good buddy Frank Shiliano as they tried to make a run to the Man Cup. He also represented Canada at the World Indoor Lacrosse Championships, winning himself a gold medal there as their third goaltender. And he also won a Hunter's Cup, which is one of the most prestigious field lacrosse trophies in the world. And you may have never heard of it. It is an incredible time. It's played by a ton of old school and new school mainland lacrosse players. Uh, All the money goes to a good cause. It is a heck of a weekend or maybe even just one day of games. Uh, And it is a fun, fun time. So I've been told. Never once have I experienced the actual Hunter's Cup. But every year I see pictures and Snapchats and videos and it looks like Just a good old time. And Christian Del Bianco's won it a few times, I believe. But he has bigger things on his mind, and that is getting a chance to be back-to-back 
NLL champions. It's a long way to go from now, but they've got the first half of that done. They just got to find a way to repeat. The Roughnecks, much like the Mammoth, will kick off their season on November 29th. They'll head to Rogers Arena to take on the Vancouver Warriors. And Del Bianco is excited to get things going. They had their first camp this past weekend. And when I caught up with him, he was getting ready to go away for camp number two. We talk lacrosse, helmets, and why his dogs hate when he leaves. Right here on OTCB. Joined now by Calgary Roughneck goaltender Christian Del Bianco. Delbs, how are you, my man? Uh, can't complain too much. How are yourself? Uh, I cannot complain either. It's a cool day over here on the island. How things on the mainland? You guys got any snow yet? No, you know what? It's actually dry right now, which is uh, rarity out here. Yeah, the uh, the rains haven't come as often as they had usually in this fall, have they? No, not quite. Roughnecks open camp this weekend. Uh, was it good to get back with the boys? Hundred percent, right? I think uh, you kind of miss the grind. You miss being around your teammates. So. It's an exciting time of the year, I think, across the league for everyone. How was the, the summer for you? You know, obviously you played summer ball with with, uh, with Maple sorry, with Maple Ridge and you got traded from Coquitlam, but how was the NLL hangover as it were? I think you know, there definitely was a bit of that there, but I think there was a lot of learning experiences for me this summer personally, right? Just kind of changing environments and not necessarily comfortable as you always are, so I think it was one of those situations that you can benefit from long-term. Let's go back to that championship game. Have you ever been a part of anything so wild? No, it, it was absolutely insane, right? And I think that's part of that is just the fan base that we have in Calgary. I, I, I think most guys that play for us truly believe that we have the best fans in the league, and they showed that for good reason. What about that pass you made to Dane Doby? On a dime, out the front door. Obviously, you guys practice that quite a bit but how good is he out the front door i'm pretty good at it i think uh the big thing with him is he in his head he's always open there so i always hear it if i don't throw that ball to him but <laughs> he's, he's pretty automatic once you do get it to him so it's a hard guy not to throw it to was there anybody more special to score that goal than reese dutch after everything that he'd gone through being released by vancouver and coming over to calgary in his first year Oh, you know, I think I think it was a pretty pretty special moment for him, and obviously, the rest of us aren't too uh, mad about it either. We benefited pretty nice too, but you know, he just came in, he bought into the system, and you know, more than anything, he was an unbelievable teammate his first year in Calgary, and I think we're excited for what he has to come for us. As mentioned, camp did start for you guys. Uh, was it a, a spirited camp that Kurt Malowski kind of put you guys through a slow start, or was it full go right away? Uh, you know, I think there was a little bit in the morning. There was a little bit of uh, grievance period, but uh, then by the afternoon and the later uh, practices, it was full speed, right? We're kind of switching that all. There's not too much time before the season starts, so you got to make do with the time you do have. Your path to being a number one goaltender in the National Cross League is very similar to most young goaltenders. It's not too rare that a guy is going to come in right away and get that starting job. What did you learn about yourself and about the position having to sit behind guys like Mike Poulin and Frank Chiliano for a few years? I think just how to handle different search situations. And the main thing with that is just being a pro, right? And being very team for first orientated is a big thing, especially talking about two guys like that, just 
they were unbelievable teammates in Calgary, and obviously they're having quite a bit of success with their new teams, which is nice to see. But you know what? Whether Frankie was in that, Mike was in that, I was in that, those guys were all about the Calgary Roughnecks winning, right? And I think that's how uh, everybody has to be in this league if you want to have success. You and Frankie built quite a relationship, the old father-son, as it were. How fun was that being a one-two combo with him? You know, it was pretty awesome. You know, me and Frankie, we live pretty close to each other here in Coquitlam. He's just down Fort Moody now. But uh, it was awesome to be able to compete against each other and practice and then obviously support each other on the floor. And it was nice to have a guy like that to lean on at all times. What is the dynamic between goaltenders in that role? Well, there's not a clear number one. You guys are always battling to see who's going to be the starter. Is there friendly competition between you two, or is there some moments in practices where deep down you think, okay, I have to be the better guy tonight? Yeah, you know what? I think that was kind of a quiet thing that me and Frankie both had in the back of our head. You know, we didn't really hide that from each other, right? Like, at the end of the day, we both wanted to be in the net, but once that decision was made that, one or the other was going to be in the net, we are fully supporting it, right? I think that uh, long-term definitely pushed us to work a little harder every practice, right, and never kind of take that day off. Was it kind of weird being his backup, as it were, in Maple Ridge this summer after, you know, everything he'd been through to get that number one job in Calgary, and you probably would have been the number one guy in Coquitlam, uh, then that trade happens, you kind of have to ride the bench for, for a lot of the summer. How tough was that for you? as a guy who built a lot of confidence in his game? Uh, you know what I think as a competitor, it was tough. But at the end of the day, I, I do understand the dynamic, right? Frankie's been one of probably the top box summer goalies in Canada for the last past summers, right? So at the end of the day, I think I kind of agreed with the decision. And I was all for trying to help him succeed and play to the best of his abilities. It was a pretty talented Maple Leaf squad you guys had, though. Yeah, you know what, there was, there was a lot of talent there, but at the end of the day, you know, it's not about what you look like on paper, it's about how you execute, and sadly, we uh, kind of fell short. So, as we move now in, into the National Cross League and the training camp, what do you do as a goaltender to make sure that you're prepared away from the rink? I think just the little things, right, kind of making sure you're going to physio, make sure you're eating right, making sure that you're in the shape you need to be able to perform, right? I think those are a lot of things that are variable, right? You can you can make those decisions. You can control that. Once again, starts, there's tons of stuff that you won't have control of, penalties, all that. But I think just doing all the groundwork and making sure you're prepared to the best of your ability. Are you a big gym guy or are you not so much a gym guy? Uh, I would say I'm definitely not a gym guy. <laughs> My buddies always kind of joke about that, but... Definitely, as I'm starting to feel a little bit older, more and more physio, more stretching, and uh, taking care of the body. You do yoga at all or anything like that? No, no, no yoga. I'm uh, more a sit on the table and get to my arms to stretch me out kind of guy. But, no. Obviously, every year you guys, you know, players, goaltenders alike, new equipment, new pads. How hard is it to break in a new set of goalie pads? How long does it take? Uh, probably, in my opinion, to get it where I like. I would say probably two weeks of constant, probably maybe eight practices. Yeah. I'd say to get it where I'd be comfortable to wear it in the game. So especially at this time of the year, you're getting all the new pads. You're kind of rushing to get everything set up and making sure that 
pump throw for the start of the season. A lot of flattening pads out and, and putting the gear on and off and, and tinkering yeah. with strings and stuff like that. Well, exactly right. And uh, one for me especially is I'm I'm pretty finicky about my gloves. So every time I lift a pair of gloves and something happens, it's like the sky's falling for me. I get super rattled about it. But you know, it's all stuff that we're kind of, especially at the NL level, we have great equipment managers. They they kind of make sure we have everything we need to be in a position to succeed. I know you were asking the people out there if you go with a chrome or red mask. What did you finally decide on? Uh, we ended up going with red after a heavy, heavy favoritism for the red there. So that was <laughs> what we ended up going with. And and every year, do you do a new design for, for the actual helmet? Yeah, uh, we're doing kind of a similar theme this year. Uh, it should be finished up here in uh, maybe a couple of days or a week or so. So it's exciting, right? We'll be teaming up with the same people as last year and be donating the helmet to Kids Sport again. So super awesome, super exciting. And uh, I'm hoping that's still finished up here pretty quick so I can show it off to people. And how much input do you have on the design? Is it all your ideas or do you collaborate with the people who are doing the design? Uh, you know, we I use a super good guy in Calgary, and I kind of just kind of throw, it's kind of like me throwing darts, darts at a wall, just running ideas by him, and then he kind of usually sends me over rendering, and so far every time I haven't really had any requests to change anything, it's pretty awesome. We talked about the, the progress of young goaltenders, and every year we're getting more and more young goaltenders into the league. This year we've got a couple good ones in Cam Dunkley and Ryland Hartley. Hartley, the Orangeville goaltenders. What do you like about their game as young goaltenders coming into the National Crossing? Uh, you know, what I think a big thing is just uh, they're not the big blockers, right? And I think as a small guy, that's something I can appreciate, right? It's it's a little different of a tactic than some of the guys that are been the more traditional goalies in the past. But, you know, they're both guys who've had tons of success in junior, obviously. Hartley won, won a nice Minto Cup last summer. It was super well-deserved, and that Cam was league MVP in the BC jail. So I think those are two guys that can kind of prove a lot this year. Is it? Are we far away from a young kid coming in and starting right away, or is it still going to be a learning process for, for young guys? You know, I think uh, especially in Ontario with AOL and all these leagues that have guys playing with small sticks and just – Having more and more young guys around practice squads and being able to pass down the knowledge, I think, I think we're getting closer and closer to that every year. What did you think about the Minto Cup? Because that was an extremely talented Orangeville lacrosse club. Yeah, I mean, they kind of they played as a team. Obviously, there was some pretty spectacular coaching, in my opinion, from Bruce Codd, and uh, they had a goalie, right? So yeah. I think they worked really well together. I think obviously Donville was uh, a force to be reckoned with. And he really showed that on that team. So it was good. And Victoria represented the West well. And sadly, Michael Will Madden actually kind of fell short. But that, that's lacrosse, right? Absolutely. A couple weeks later, you, you get to put on the red and white for Team Canada. How much of a special moment was that for you? Uh, it was unbelievable. Right? It's kind of that humbling experience when you walk in that dressing room and it's Seems like it's a group of guys that you kind of grew up looking up to, right? And just the talent level is just unbelievable. Was was there any special moment in that tournament where you were just like, wow, and looking at some of the players, whether it be guys in the Iroquois team or, or whether it be some of the American guys, just a moment in that tournament that really stands out? 
I think it might have been the first game that I was out there in the lineup, and I, I was looking around, and it seemed like every D guy had about a foot and a half on me, and I, so it's just kind of, I was laughing, like, wow, we're not in Kansas anymore, right? So, pretty spectacular team, and just, just the whole dynamic, if you see the, there's a good England team, obviously, Frank is playing there, Israel, just how much the game's growing is really showing. And on the mainland, you stuck around and, and won yourself another Hunter's Cup? Yeah, that's a, that's a big one, right? Uh, it's kind of a battle of who can stay sober the longest, but you <laughs> lose that. Um, it's a good tournament. It's all for a super good cause. And Steve Hayes, he's the man behind it. He, he puts it all on for all of us to just show up. So it's, it's, it's definitely a good weekend every year to mark on the calendar. You guys get back at it this weekend for another camp. How excited uh, are you to continue the process the opening weekend? I think just, you know what I mean, you have to uh, deal with the time you have. I think it, it seems like every week it's coming faster and faster, so I think we're all excited. Do, you dogs, your, do your dogs appreciate when you come home after a weekend away? Yeah, they're usually pretty excited. Uh, definitely the German Shepherd, she kind of knows when I'm leaving. She sees the bags and gets a little mad at me, so it's, it's kind of funny. We're getting more and more familiar with the whole dad leaving and coming back. How old are your dogs now? Uh, one is a year and a half, and the other is just over two. What? It's the German Shepherd. What's the other one? She's a great Dane. Right. So she's the younger one, right? But she's probably like no, 150 years older. Oh, she's the older one. So we, we got her later, actually. She was, uh, we adopted her, so. Yeah. She's newer to the household, but uh, the older sister, definitely. And, she, and she's a big dog. Yeah, she, she's about 110 pounds. She's pretty tall, skinny. <laughs> Taller than you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> she's 100 back legs. Have you sold your cars yet, or are you going to keep those things around for a little longer? No, no. you know what? We have the cars for a bit. We uh, sold on our old trucks, so we'll see. We're, we're pretty good for a bit here. You're pretty good. You, you, you appreciate working on those old classic cars, though. Yeah, I appreciate working on them when I can and don't appreciate when I have to pay somebody else to work on it. So we'll see. Christian Del Bianco of the Calgary Roughnecks, a dog guy, a gearhead, and a gearhead, as it were. I don't envy goaltenders for having to break those pads in year in and year out because it really must take a lot of time to get those paddings to feel just right so that you're confident in your gear every time you step on the floor. For forwards and D guys, a lot of those pads are interchangeable and, and they're not very bulky or thick as it were, and molding them to a specific detail isn't that hard. But for a goaltender, finding the right cage for your mask, creating the shoulder pads so they sit just right, the leg pads, the pants... All that stuff, all the little intricacies, I don't envy them for that. But also, they're in the way of our shots, so deal with it. I'm excited to see what Christian comes up for his helmet this year. That's probably one of my most favorite parts of leading into a National Lacrosse League season is seeing the new artwork on goaltenders' helmets. Uh, there are some great ones out there already. Uh, and just to be able to have that personal intimate design on your helmet every time you step out there you can make dedications you can make custom personal touches 
it's such a sweet, sweet bonus of being a goaltender to have that luxury. When will a sport allow regular players to do that? I wonder. To design their own bucket. Possible? Probably not. Maybe for like a one-off? All the helmets go to an auction? That'd be pretty cool. We are three weeks out, essentially, from the start of a new season. Camps will continue. And as camps continue, so do roster cuts. And unfortunately, that is how she goes, as they say. And we've started to see some names released from National Across League rosters. But if you comb the NLL transaction pages, you can find some little nuggets there. Um, Yesterday, the Rush traded Nick Finley to the Wings in exchange for a third-round selection. That's a bit of a minor move, but a good move for the Wings, as it were, because they need some help. And Finley is factored in uh, as a practice roster guy for the Stealth for the past couple years. I think he's ready to make a step up. Uh, Adam Osika was released from the the Wings. Uh, Brody Eastwood, Colton Clark from the Vancouver Warriors. Those were sort of two bigger names um, of guys with NLL experiences that were already released uh, from the Vancouver Warriors camp. And some other notable news. Greg Downing put on the physically unable to perform list by the New England Black Wolves. Jared Newman uh, put on the holdout list by the Black Wolves. I think they had some hopes that Newman would be able to to make a go of it. Um, Not sure the reasoning for the holdout list, but... It would be interesting to see if they could get him play because I saw him two years ago, I think, with the Colorado Mammoth. And he was big, physical. He was just still a little green to the indoor game. Uh, I would like to see him really give the NLL a shot because uh, I think he could be a longtime American beast in the indoor game. Frank Brown and Zach Reed put him on the pup list by the Nighthawks. So there are some some news and notes out there. Again, not all teams have started camps. Most have. And as we go week to week, teams are going to have to start to cut down. But what if you look deeper into the NLL rosters right now, you can see how some teams have already got themselves down to a manageable number. For example, I think the Rush have 27 guys in camp right now after they traded Nick Finley. So they're almost at opening day numbers. And it allows, I think I've said this almost every year when we kind of talk about this, it allows GMs to jump into their systems right away without having to play catch up with a lot of new faces. And when teams bring in 35, 40 guys to camp, it kind of slows that ability down. Now, For teams like New York, Rochester, you have to, and some of these expansion teams in the years past, Vancouver, uh, San Diego, bringing more guys in is kind of a necessity because you're trying to fill every hole possible. But each and every year, as you get more stable, the number of bodies you need to be bringing into camp decrease. You're not looking at who you can find off the street because you've already done your due diligence through free agency, trades, and the draft. 
So for those teams that are still on the high side of 30, they still have time to get ready for opening camp or opening week numbers, but they're going to have to make a lot of cuts at one time. It's not going to be one or two. It's going to be a bulk of five or six guys just so they can start to get down to numbers with only a couple weeks left and a few practices left. So keep your eye on the NLL transaction pages and watch out for who's getting released, guys that are moving. And what you'll also see is instead of releasing guys, you'll flip a guy for a mid-round pick like Saskatchewan did with Nick Finley. You'll see guys, instead of just being released, swap for picks because maybe what one team doesn't see in a guy, another team will. So we'll have to keep our eyes on that and see how we go. We'll also have to keep an eye out on where San Diego and the Warriors will play on February 22nd. Because we already know we're going to Vegas, baby. And it is going to be a time. Christian Del Bianco, uh, before we get out of here, put out on Twitter, how long before guys lose their per diem when they go to Vegas? And I said before they get to baggage claim. I'm sure guys will probably lose their money even before that once they get to Vegas. My question is, how many guys don't make the flight home from Vegas? That is something I would bet on. Thanks to Delbs. Thanks to Warren Jeffrey. Uh, side note on Warren Jeffrey, he's going to be the star of Making the Mammoth, uh, their little mini docu-series that they're putting out in a few parts as he goes through his training camp process. The first episode's already out. Episode two will be out uh, in the coming days as we follow his path to making this team. So thanks to Warren. Thanks to Christian. Thanks to you, the fan, for always tuning and listening here on SoundCloud, NLL Radio, and the Lacrosse Flash. At Off the Crossbar, teddy.jenner at gmail.com is where you can find me. And until next time, be excellent to each other. I-